G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We are going to be talking about why must we invest looking forward to 2023. And I guess just because times get tough doesn't mean our parenting around money is somehow on hold. And in uncertain times, attention to money is always important as we think of being good stewards of what God has given. We're turning our attention today to that question, why must we invest looking forward to 2023? And our special guest today says we should be mindful that having a plan for 2023 is a good focus for us financially and our plans affect how we pursue raising happy, more confident and money-smart children. Justin Pagotto is back with us today. He calls himself a social and familypreneur. He's a values-based financial advisor who leads the ministry 1010 Life based on John 1010 where Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And he always frames his insights with the next generation in mind with a focus on raising money smart kids. Justin Pagotto, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always a pleasure, always a privilege, and yeah, it's my joy to chat with you and hear the listeners' questions as well. Hey, Justin, I suppose if we're talking about investing in 2023, perhaps it's good to talk about perhaps some outlook for what the year ahead may hold. And I know there are a lot of people who are concerned uh, feeling uncertainty and, uh, you know, there's rising inflation, interest rates, uh, there's extra pressures on our finances, perhaps that weren't there just 12 months ago. I wonder if you've got a, a sort of a, perhaps an overview type of an outlook, uh, given that, that there, are, there are some uncertainties out there. Well, there sure, there sure is uncertainty, but the great thing is we have a king who knows everything. So we have the unlimited creator God and access to him. And so anything I frame today uh, should be done in conjunction with our own relationship with God. And you, know, you can't divorce the two. And as I say, uh, when things do look uncertain, uh, when you're a parent and you've got children watching your every move, and sometimes we're letting our kids into our finances, sometimes more than uh, some parents more than others, uh, but our parenting around money is not on hold just because maybe things look a little bit tougher, is it? Well, I could also say that's where the rubber hits the road and where most lessons are learned. But let's let's backtrack a little bit and just give a quick recap of why should we teach our kids about money in the kingdom? You know, the first thing is Jesus talked a lot about money. You know, Jesus talked a lot about a lot of things, but there's 2,531 verses in the Bible about money. And I'll share one of those soon. The second thing is that money is a vital part of our discipleship. You know, if we can't handle money, uh, 
it's less likely we're going to be able to handle other things. So Luke 16.11 says, you know, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So this is not, this is our Lord and Saviour saying this, isn't it? So I'll just say it again, Luke 16.11. If you have been not, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? It's very sobering, isn't it? It's very sobering indeed. It's something we all perhaps need to uh, take stock, uh, take those things to heart. It does strike me, and you might have your own perception on how a lot of parents think, but here we are, this time of year, we're uh, not too long out from Christmas now, and so we're into Christmas spending, uh, we're buying lots of gifts, we're planning a holiday, uh, we're doing Christmas dinner, uh, there's a lot of expense around Christmas, but a lot of us can't look beyond the immediate. And so some people will say, well, I've just got to get beyond Christmas before I think about what I'm doing with my money for the new year. Is that too short-sighted? What sort of length of time do you think in advance we ought to be thinking about money? Well, I think we should, should always be thinking about money, but not for the reasons that many people think. So the reality is if we don't teach our kids about stewarding money, and its correlation with building the kingdom of God, then the world will. Okay, so we want to train our kids to be able to expand God's kingdom, and money is a very big tool in doing that. So I guess I want to challenge this whole head in the sand. I don't know how many people have told me, well, I'm not very good with money. So that may be the case from what's been modelled from your parents. But to say that as a disciple of Jesus... Um, I don't think we can afford to keep that that thought or to not do anything about it, not to take action. It rolls off the lips for a lot of people very, very easily. I'm not good with money or I leave that to my spouse. They look after the money. But as you say, that's a very, very incisive thing when you say, well, when you're a Christian, you actually have to take some level of responsibility for money because this is really part of what it is to have a kingdom life, a kingdom mentality. Money becomes a little more important. So therefore money, not only with what I do with it today, but how I invest that little extra uh, for what will happen into the future and being intentional about that. Absolutely. And another parable that Jesus talked a lot about and is Luke uh, 19.11, the parable of the 10 miners. And I just find it fascinating that Jesus would talk through basically a trading like that's a parable about trading. You had the first guy um, was given one one miner and then the king came back, which is referring to Jesus, um, and he said, put this money to work. And he, the king came back and he had 10. Okay. And then uh, in, the, in the next one, uh, the person put that miner to work and, and made it into five. And the king commended. So look at the language Jesus talks about. He says, uh, Well done, my good servant. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Then secondly, uh, you take charge of five cities. And then the person who hid their miner 
out of fear and it says i was afraid of you because you're a hard man you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow and jesus's response is not great is it to that person so it's a sobering thing and and i don't think this parable is totally about money like i think it's about faithfulness in every part of our our discipleship journey but money's got to be a part of it so to put it let's not be like the third person who put their head in the sand let's make changes now and the beauty is there's so many resources like you can find out about any part of money you know part of it is you know that financial freedom for kids uh, course that we're an ambassador for but you know there's so many courses you know you can find out about investing in real estate in shares general budgeting to have the attitude that i'm just going to stick my head in the sand i just don't think that's that's a kingdom uh value now while we're talking about this parable of the 10 miners uh, it's interesting isn't it that when we talk about this one and uh alignments there with the talents uh, this one miners really to do with uh, business enterprises and taking charge over cities. Uh, the reward for those who are faithful stewards of what the king leaves them with, uh, the reward is tremendously great. And oftentimes, and I'll get your thoughts here because here we are, we're discussing here the heart of God about money. And so uh, your thoughts here, so I'll give you a little bit of a moment there to, to think about this, but when we got to that one minor uh, person who's in this parable uh, and what Jesus says to them at the end, because this is interesting because we always think of God as uh, loving, uh, benevolent, uh, generous, uh, you know, uh, very quick to forgive. And, of course, he is all of those things. But you can't ignore that there's some negatives here uh, in Jesus' words, in his response. And this one, as you say, and rightly, I think, uh, talking about money. But in verse 26 of that passage there in the parable of the ten miners, Luke chapter 19, um, Jesus says, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And there's even more harsh things to say beyond that. But the thought here that when we, t when we talk about stewardship, uh, this is not something that's an optional extra. How do you describe these sorts of things? The heart of God and optional extras around money. It's, it's not really. It's, it's really something imperative here. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think we can pick and choose what parts of the discipleship journey we want to enter into. You know, if Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, then he owns all of us and he wants our whole of life to be brought into discipleship. But, you know, a few comments on the third, the third person who was given the money. Um, it says, I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. So the first thing that comes to mind here is that person did not really know the king's heart. You know, the reality is they were bound by fear and they were living from, you might call it an orphan mindset. Whereas we know that God is incredibly rich in kindness, generosity. And so the first thing to really address is, what is my relationship like with God? Am I an orphan where I am afraid of God and I relate to God on a transactional basis? 
or do I believe that when Jesus died on the cross that he actually paid the full price to reconcile me back into God's family where I'm restored into, uh, you know, Jesus says we're, we're co-heirs, co-laborers, heirs of God, sons of God, and the, the story of the prodigal son shows outrageously how the prodigal son was restored back into full fellowship with God. So the first thing really to ask our hearts is, do we act, in what areas do we act like an orphan? And do what areas do we act like a son where we trust our heavenly father and we're confident in his, in his nature? And so what we do for God, including investing, how we live our life, what we invest our lives into, comes from a place of security. Um, that's a very sobering question. I don't think it's a, I think it's a journey and it's not black or white. You're not 100% a son and 100% an orphan. I think uh, you can have areas of your life where you still have these orphan life tendencies. But if you don't address them and just keep saying, I'm no good at money, I'm no good with money, um, that unfortunately is like being like that third servant who just says, no, I don't want to invite you into that part of my life, Jesus. Isn't it the case we might wake up today feeling like we are the servant uh, investing the money and tomorrow we might wake up and we might feel like the orphan. So I guess having this mindset change uh, is maybe like a muscle that you need to exercise. Uh, how do you think, and maybe you've got uh, you know people that you've dealt with uh, over many years now, Justin, uh, just in the adjusting of a mindset that says, well, I, I can be confident in taking that role of be, being an investor. Uh, any thoughts here on, on just getting a strong uh, attitude towards being an investor? Yeah, I think that the two key questions, not just investing, but in the whole of life, and I was reflecting on this, this uh, recently, number one, you have to take extreme ownership. God will never override our will. So we are, he's given us a free will and he gives us power to choose how we live our life and how to cooperate. So the first question is to take extreme ownership that you will learn about being a good steward. You know, one of the, my mentors says, you know, there's 12 things you should do every, every day and one of them is to learn something about saving, investing, giving or spending. He says, doesn't matter which one it is, but make it a daily habit to learn something about one of those four areas. The second thing, apart from extreme ownership, is to take massive lots of small steps. I, back 20 years ago, fear and change, or change used to scare me, but what I've learned is you just start. You take extreme ownership, you just start and you just take some steps. And I was reflecting on this recently. When you are faithful in little things, which is what Luke 16, 11 says, and also what this this uh, passage and other passage in the Bible says, when you are faithful with small things, God gives you more grace and faith and resources to move to the next thing. So just start. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
Our privilege to have Justin Pagotto back with us today, a social and familypreneur. He leads the ministry 1010 Life. And our talkback line is open. And the conversation can get as simple or sophisticated as you might like to make it. You might have your own thoughts or questions about what 2023 looks like in the year ahead and investment strategies. Uh, Do they work for you or would they work for you? Or even around these issues that we're talking about, uh, being fearful of investing or not taking that stewardship responsibility seriously that we might have in our relationship with God around our finances. So 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation today with Justin Pagotto. Justin, if we're talking simple and sophisticated, where do you suggest for that person who does want to turn over a new leaf, wants to look forward to a year ahead and recognises they need to get a grip on some level of investing, where's the best place to start, do you think? So the first thing is to always make sure that you break out of the debt and scarcity mindset and make sure whatever level of income you earn, you save more. So you can't do anything if you're always spending everything that you earn, okay? Once you have an amount, take that amount and invest it in something of value. And then let's talk about compound interest. So Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe so what we mean by compound interest is when you invest in something could be anything you know property shares uh, a bond uh, anything that pays an income stream and then instead of taking the income and spending it you actually add that income back onto that interest or that income or that dividend depending on what asset it is uh, back into the asset so you don't spend it and that's what's called compounding And I just did a little um, sum of my calculator. So, Neil, let's say if we start with $100 and you can earn 5% a month, which is a very high return, but and you you compound the interest for 24 months, how much do you think you've got at the end of 24 months? Uh, Now you're asking me to do some calculations in my head, and uh, one of these uh, days I might get good at it. Uh, I don't know. What are we talking? uh, 5% on $100. So you start with $100, you make 5% per Okay, this is is compounding per month. So if I was talking over a year, I might say, well, that's just $5 for the year. But compounding each month, that's going to multiply that a little more. And at the end of 24 months, uh, let me just have a, it's only a stab in the dark. Uh, Let me say I've got $130. It's actually $322. Is that right? Well, that's staggering, isn't it? So it starts small, but it multiplies right so compounding the things it takes a while to get the power going but once you've got it it's like a steam train and having said that though five percent a month is very unusual but there are there are various things some are more high risk i have a friend who runs a trading uh, platform and the returns he gets is four to eight percent a month right so um I'm not suggesting to invest in anything on this program because it's outside our scope. I'm just talking about the concept that the way to grow your wealth is really to, number one, invest in good quality assets, don't pay too much, and then 
let the the income or the dividends from that asset compound over time. Just before we take a call, interesting just to draw attention to that because you're not offering investment advice to listeners today. Uh, there's another dimension that is very, very apparent, though, and uh, look at news headlines anywhere. Uh, scammers uh, are at work. Uh, just quickly, before we do take a call, uh, there would be some caution, wouldn't there, around anyone who's offering very high returns because you might need to check things out very carefully. Oh, absolutely. And you can have a look on the ASIC website. It's full of people promising high returns, Uh and most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's simply too good to be true, right? So if you get a look into any of those things, you have to look into it very carefully, do your due diligence. Um, and me personally, if I would only invest if I knew the people personally in those things because it's, it's too great a risk. Okay, we're taking calls. Let's take a call from Catherine in Newtown in Hobart. Hello, Catherine. Welcome. Hello, hello. Good, Catherine. What are your thoughts? Hi, Catherine. My thoughts. Um, I've been a Tasmanian all my life. I have documented every single thing that has happened to me in my life. I'm 58 years of age. I have suffered mental, physical and emotional abuse in this state. I would like to see our state go the way the world should go. We we have just gone through two years of poverty. We are still going through poverty. Poverty is our worst um, emotional planet. But in saying that, trauma has taken over our world. So we are suffering not only the loss of losing the value of money, but the value of life. And the value of life means more than anything in this world. We're trying to set people up in a world that has come to the poverty of recognising that Beggars are allowed to beg on the street now without a card. But Catherine, I would say, yes. Catherine, you are making a, a really significant point here, and uh, we'll get Justin's thoughts. But poverty can come in a whole lot of different levels. And uh, when we've gone through hard times, as so many have uh, through COVID, and uh, some anticipating hard times ahead in the coming year. Uh, these sorts of things have a effect on us, and even as you identify, Catherine, sometimes that translates then even to trauma. So uh, when we talk about having poverty as a mindset, this is not something that's just an extra or something that some people have. Uh, that We've all got to be mindful of that. But, Justin, what are your thoughts here for Catherine? Yeah, big issues, Catherine. So it's hard to give a long answer but these these are a few comments um i'll just come back from the philippines which i'll talk to about later on but one of the groups that we work with over there is called gawad kalinga and one of their key i guess values is you must get rid of poverty of the heart and mind first 
So that is a big, as Catherine said, it's a big problem in our culture. The second thing is the way that the financial systems are, are run in many ways is countercultural to God's ways. So yes, there is real pain and real um, trauma that can happen through poverty. Like the, the poverty that's in the world today is not how God designed it, okay? But we have uh, mankind trying to live and create their own rules, whereas God God doesn't want people to, um, to suffer and be in poverty and have massive inequality of wealth. You know, in the Philippines, it's even worse than Australia. There is... A small number of very, very, very wealthy people at the top of the pyramid, and everybody else serves that pyramid. And I was in an art museum actually, and there was actually a sculpture of it, and it really captured my heart. Um, the third thing I would say, Catherine, to you, and it's sort of a little bit outside the scope of um, uh, the financial conversation, but it's an area I'm very passionate about is you know, we need to. To move forward as a disciple of Jesus, we need to be healed of our unhealed hurts, unmet needs, unresolved issues. And dealing with, with that type of stuff and letting Jesus come in and heal the trauma and the effects of the past so that it doesn't provide, um, what's the word, we can be set free from the past is really important as well. So you've, you've, you've asked uh, something that's got a lot of multi-layers to it, but that would be my encouragement uh, for you is to is to um, find someone who can help you walk that journey of dealing with the trauma. Um, but I do agree with you that in many ways um, the systems of this world are not functioning you know, according to God's perfect design. Justin, uh, picking up here on some more around investing and thinking about uh, 2023 in the time to come, You've got a thought or two on whether our investment ought to be into things that are for a passive income or what you call a linear income. What's important for us to understand about investing around those purposes? Yeah, well, let's look firstly at what King Solomon, who to this day is reputed to be the world's most wealthiest person. So the first thing is, you know, when... Uh, King Solomon was asked, what do you actually want? He said, give me wisdom. So the first thing I want to encourage everyone to do, including myself, is to keep saying to God, I want your wisdom. I want to know how to do things, when to do them and what to do. But King Solomon had this interesting, um, what he said in Ecclesiastes, divide your portion amongst seven or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may befall the land. So I'll read that out again. So in Ecclesiastes, he says, Divide your portion among seven or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may befall the land. And could that verse have been written for 2022? Could have been written for 2020, couldn't it? And you might anticipate that uh, back in King Solomon's days, there might have been some people with some financial savvy and there might have been all sorts of different investment structures around that time. Uh, So, you know, we shouldn't assume that things were less sophisticated when it comes to the way they're investing, even though their culture was somewhat different to ours. 
So uh, dividing your portion among seven, even eight, uh, some people have thought, uh, you know, you should have all your uh, eggs in one basket, but uh, seven or eight different baskets, uh, is that spreading yourself too thinly? What's the wisdom in having those seven or eight investment strategies? Yep. So King Solomon was really the ultimate trader and investor. So he, what he's really saying there is he believed in creating seven or eight income streams, right? So that's what he means by dividing your portion to seven or eight, creating seven or eight income streams, seven or eight ways uh, for your money to be at work. Because the reality is, as he says in the passage, you do not know what disaster may befall the land. So there are some times when something blows up and if you have all your eggs in that basket, it's not going to be a good time if that blows up. So that's another key thing. I've seen too many people over the years put a lot of money into one thing, you know, all their life savings, and then that blows up and you're left with nothing. You should never <coughs> you should never do that. So let's have a look at so passive income, or sometimes it's called recurring income or ongoing income or trail income, there's different names for it, is income that you get because an investment is working for you. So you don't have to physically work for this investment. Whereas uh, linear income or your, your wage income, employment income relies on you working um, in order to get paid. So you have a break, you stop getting paid. So let's have a look at the different overall types of passive income. You know, can you sell a product online where you do the work once and you focus on getting traffic to your website to make sales? That's known as e-commerce. Uh, any investment, which is, whether it's in stock, shares, um, you know, options trading, uh, real estate, or we'll mention real estate in a second. Anything that gives you a passive income stream from owning, being an owner of the company, Having a rental property, the income you make from renting it out is passive, but uh, just be careful at the moment with interest rates. Um, you don't want to over, over borrow um, and you need to make sure that you can service the debt on any, any borrowing. Uh, you know, having your own YouTube channel uh, where you get paid, you know, what, what is God put in your heart that you can become an expert at? Creating an app. Um, you know, in the financial freedom for kids, there's different ways we teach the kids uh, <coughs> how to generate income. You know, a very easy one. I'm going to give um, people a very easy way to save money and also to make a little bit of money as well, right? But all of these take work. And remember what I said before about extreme ownership and also um, making consistent action, these things just don't happen. You just don't think and then it magically happens. Just before you give us these extra um, practical ways, uh, interesting terminology that I note that a whole lot of young people are uh, employing in the way that they talk about their life. And the thought that, you know, I'm going to get a job. I think this, uh, I'm just trying to remember where I heard it. I think it might have been some uh, some results from the... Uh, National Youth Survey uh, that was run earlier this year. The thought that young people think about getting a job, but also recognising that having just a wage may not be enough to fulfil the sorts of dreams and visions they have. So they use this terminology, a side hustle. Uh, 
Ah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. the something that is extra to your regular income. And so uh, some of these things, no doubt, uh, fit into that, and particularly for young people. And, and our children are growing up and trying to become uh, uh, savvy with money. Uh, the, that terminology, is, is that a useful terminology to use with kids? Do you use that when you're talking to young people? Uh yeah, the the hustle the hustle's got connotations to it, right? <laughs> you know, but basically all it means is you've got your regular gig is whatever it is. Like I have about four or five side hustles, just me being personal, right? So, um, and we'll take that the right I'm, way, by the way. You know, <laughs> right. so what I mean by side side hustles is different ways to serve the community. So what you've got to come back to is, especially as kingdom people. Um, what do I have that's of value? What am I passionate about? And how can I serve the community? And if you do those three things, the money will flow. I'll give you an example. So one of my best friends in Sydney, their son uh, is a really good foil rider. You know, the foil rides where they like surfboards, but they've got a wing attached to it. and You can go faster than the surfers. Anyway, I started talking to him. Why don't you start training people like probably middle-aged bankers, right? <laughs> middle-aged <laughs> bankers who work at Macquarie Bank or, you know, whatever, yeah. who look at you and go, wow, you're a 17-year-old kid and you are an amazing uh, foil rider. Why don't you train them? And he has. And I said, well, why don't you start thinking about doing an online course teaching people how to foil ride, right? So you've got to just – it requires a change of mind to think what do I have of value and who, how can I serve people? Um, you know, for me, I actually like copywriting, you know, through all the businesses that I've earned, I've learned to copyright pretty well. So I just, this is a brand new one. I've decided to create this, um, 10, 10 copywriting services for businesses and to help them target their niche market and how to, um, uh, discover who their niche market is and what are they really selling. And then if they want me to write copy for their their Facebook ads or LinkedIn or whatever, I'll do that as well. But, you know, that's something that it's not my main job and it's probably never going to be my main job, but it's serving people. And I thought, well, I want as many ways to make money as I can. I'll give you an example. So um, Solomon said, divide your portion among seven or eight for you never know what's going to disaster may befall the land. Pre-COVID, I spent two years of my life building up Trips Plus Holidays with Purpose, which is a Holidays with Purpose travel company, social enterprise, that takes people to the Philippines to do either a combination of charity mission or a medical mission or some form of volunteer work uh, <coughs> and have a holiday and see the stunning Philippines. And the idea is that, <coughs> uh, excuse me, everyone gets transformed. So you go away, do something in the charity space, spend some money. And then COVID came and I was supposed to have seven group tours in uh, 2020, we only got the one medical mission in. So that was two years of my life and several hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue just went, right? And and I just went back to the Philippines two weeks ago for a medical mission and that was the first payment that that business could earn, that social enterprise could earn in nearly three years. So imagine if I had all my eggs in that basket, you know, I would be in big trouble. So that gives you a really practical example um, that you can't rely on just one income. 
So we might be able to all identify uh, what the income stream might be for us uh, when you've got that linear income. Uh, you know, whether you're actually working for a wage or if you own a business or if you're even receiving some form of benefit, at least there's something there to work with. Uh, so beyond that, identifying those things that you are uniquely gifted in. I mean, when you say, uh, and I've started a little copywriting enterprise, uh, writing ads and things like that for people, well, there's a gift that you have. Not everyone's got that gift, but lots of people have their own gifting. So a lot of churches work with identifying gifts, uh, and gifts can go beyond uh, just even uh, those biblical gifts that we might read about in the Scriptures. But, but <coughs> identifying what your gift is to be able to to do something that might become your side hustle. That, that's a, And others might have that wisdom. Others that are closest to us, that love us, they might be able to identify what we're good at even if we can't see that. Exactly. And the reality is you've got to face the fact that it takes work, right? So a lot of people stop just because it's hard work, right? So you, but if it's in your heart, you know, I just say to people, do it. And in the whole of life, um, let's be investors, investors in our relationship with God, investors in our relationships with loving our family well, investors into becoming the best parents we can be, investors into uh, serving our community as best we can, investors into education. But that all takes place in real time, energy and money. I told everyone I'd give you a good little side hustle. Do you want... One which I think is a great yep. side hustle. Yep. Hit us with it. Right. So so one of the things I'm passionate about is uh, uh, buying locally or, or, you know, supporting local economies rather than always the big guys. And so I came across this model called Box Divvy, D-I-V-V-Y. Okay, and basically what it is, it's a fruit and veg and bread and eggs and honey uh, business. And the way it works is is this. Um, you, you form a hub in your local area. So I live in the Port Macquarie region in a small town called Lake Cadai. But um, so I'm involved in the Lake Cadai hub. And there's a brilliant app. So on my phone and then <coughs> you order the fruit and vegetables, bread, eggs, honey, um, and it goes straight to a farm. That farm buys it in bulk or produces it in bulk. It comes to the Box Divi hub, which is one person who decides to be the, um, the, they're called the hubster, the person who runs the hub. And then once a week, so this afternoon, I'll be able to go pick up my fruit and vegetables. And it's about 30 to 40% lower than that than the average prices of the um, uh, from buying from the big big uh, supermarkets. Secondly, more money goes to the farmers, which I'm very supportive of. Uh, thirdly, it's really fresh, so everything is so fresh because it comes from the farms on the Sunday, packed at my house on Wednesday. But the person who organises the hub gets paid an income for doing it. I think they get about four percent of the order. So that's a business that anyone in most places of Australia, because it's only a new, fairly new business, not my business, by the way, <laughs> just for, um, <laughs> but, but I love the concept. 
<coughs> and it gives an opportunity, doesn't it, to use your existing network uh, to start something of a business. So, and I, I'm assuming you really don't need any sort of, uh, uh, or, or not a great, not a you great deal a of money to, to you need a bit of nothing. space. Nothing. You know, that's right. So you can start with nothing. So that's There's- a zero. And you know, you're not going to make a fortune out of it. But let's say if you make hundred to two hundred dollars a week and get get fresh fruit and vegetables, it's not a bad little side hustle. Um, there's also other businesses where you can resell. Um, you know, one of my little side hustles is a small telco business where you help people get better deals on mobiles, internet, energy, um, uh, also other things like. Um, credit cards for businesses when they do the tap and pay. So there's so many opportunities. What you've got to do is partner with God, ask him, what do you want me to do, God? Lead me on a journey, take some steps, try things. Failure is inevitable, but the people who go on that journey with God there's always good fruit if they stick stick with it long enough. Now, I can't help but mention, too, that when you talk about those side hustles and the box divvy, the fruit, veggies, eggs, honey uh, business, uh, that sort of thing also has a dimension where in this day and age when we are so disconnected, uh, connected oh. digitally, but but you actually forge some relationships personally, face to face. There's a pick up and a drop off in all of that, and there's also this. You know, I can just sort of you know sense this way of monitoring a care for one another, like a pastoral care. There's there's a side uh, value to to doing that that might well make you a few dollars on the side, but also very very good for connecting socially with your community. Yeah, and one of the things in, in the copywriting um, little business that I've, that I've started, I ask people is, what are you really selling? You know, so as you said, Box Divi, you're not really selling fruit and vegetables. You're actually selling a collaborative community hub. It's very different, isn't it? So you've got to work out what are you really selling in, in any business or side hustle and make sure that you communicate that. And uh, talking next generation too, uh, if you don't have time to do that yourself and your kids are just kids locked, you know, it. if your it's kid's in front of gaming gaming and, uh, and screens all day, there's something there to make a diversion. Hey, running short of time, I did want to ask you a little more about your visit to the Philippines because sometimes when we're talking about money, uh, wealth, investment, uh, comparing who we are and what we have here in Australia sometimes comes into a, a context when you can compare yourself to some in other nations. And there's some widespread poverty in the, in the Philippines. You've noted that, uh, you know, these contrasts are very obvious and you take your kids with you to the Philippines and that makes a huge difference in the way they think about money too, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. And so whenever I go back, I'm always struck with, a love for the poor, and it always changes me. Um, let me sh- let me share a couple of stories, and I think that will bring things into perspective. Because remember, our reality is very much coloured by the world we live in, the advertising, social media, uh, comparisons with one another. But you know, in the Philippines, we went and visited a village as part of our medical mission trip. That that. I was part of leading. 
And anyway, <coughs> the kids dance for us and tell a story. And I'll tell three stories. So the, the youth in that village are falling behind simply because they don't have a, uh, a printer and a computer. They have to walk several kilometres into town to print out an assignment. You know, that's just unconceivable to us, right? They also don't have people to teach them English. Um, and so our heart, our heart of our team was really touched. And some of them said it was the most impactful day of their life. And we said, how much is it going to cost to fix that problem? Our oh, 40,000 pesos, which is about 1,200 Aussie dollars, you know, to get a printer and a computer and set it up as sort of a little hub in their village. So we just said, done that problem won't exist anymore. And they're going to start selling the printing um, to the village and the neighbouring village so they don't have to walk into town. So we've created this little micro business that's so simple for us, but it's going to have a radical impact. The second um, story, and then I want to tell two stories about a house building program, which is, really puts it into perspective, um, but the other thing we said to the village, what else do you want to do? And they said, we want to start a co-op, a co-op store in our, and I said, what's stopping you? Oh, just the money, 50,000 pesos, which again is about 1,300 Australian. So we just said, done. So we sent 2,500 Australian, myself and four other people uh, this week, and it should be hitting their, their bank account this week, and they're going to start their own co-op store one of the mums will get employment in that store one day a week each, so there'll be five part-time jobs created. And then at the end of the year, there'll be a dividend and all the profits go into the community. So that type of stuff really touches my heart when you can make such profound differences. And you mentioned something uh, about real estate. It was a property that you mentioned. You say the third story? Very quickly. Oh, yeah. so the, third, the third story... Um, you know, Gawad Kalinga, which means love and care in Tagalog, is one of our major partners, and they have a home build program. And basically, you do, they get people out of the poverty in the slum areas, and they say, Will you come and give 1,600 hours of sweat equity to build houses by hand? And I've done this with teams. You build with, um, you dig the foundations with a pick by hand. You get cement, you move it via, a chain to the foreman. So these two ladies were telling us our story when I was in the village two weeks ago. Number one lady, their family lived under a boulder with fear of being the boulder would roll on them and kill them. This is a real fear. She, five kids, put in 1,600 hours in plus 30 conditions, mid-30s, 90% humidity, mother about 45 years old. Then there was another mother who had breast cancer with secretions coming out of her breasts. That's how bad it was. She also, you know, would walk an hour to do her 1,600 hours of sweat equity, and it took her nine months to finally get a house, a very small house that's called her home. And I look at these women, and they are so thankful, right? So we've really, I think, got to have a look at what we think is important in Australia, and it's... We talk about resilience and courage. These ladies have got it. Well, just great insight because topping off our conversation today about investing for 2023, bringing our own 
perspectives uh, into the context of what happens in the world. A lot of the world is the developing world. We think that we might be facing some tough times in the next year here in Australia, and we're thinking about our investing. Uh, when you've got a few things together, as you're sharing here, Justin Pagato, uh, you can take your skills and make a huge difference uh, for people who are also suffering uh, some of the challenging environment around the world uh, for the next coming year as well and to utilising those gifts you have uh, by way of a mission enterprise. Well, Justin Pagotto is uh, leading a, a ministry called 1010 Life and there is a website. Let me just run through a few little things here where you can connect with Justin Pagotto today at 1010life.com.au. You can subscribe there for free tips on raising happy, more confident children. You can follow Justin on Facebook. Join the 1010 Family Life Facebook group. You can also book Justin for a one-hour Zoom to talk about your number one challenge. And there's some free gifts when you go on to the 1010 Life website. A couple of books, How to Build a Lifelong Bond with Your Kids, and turn them into better humans, and the top 10 things parents need to teach their kids and teens about debt now. Uh, Justin, always so good getting your insights. Uh, Let's make another plan to get back uh, to have another conversation sometime in the new year. But uh, to you and your family, uh, God's richest blessing on you, the happiest and holiest of Christmases, and uh, 2023 ahead. Uh, May it be a great year for you and uh, in the ministry that you're Uh, that you've set up to serve people who uh, are looking for some help to get things started. Justin, thanks so much for joining us today. Amen. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.